0: What a great reminder, isn't it? Just to know that God's faithfulness is, is with us every step of the way, and he won't fail. So as we turn to a time of uh, conversation with the Lord, a time of learning and growth together, I would invite you to open up your Bibles, in the, the, either that you have in your pew in front of you, um, or that you brought with you to Philippians 4. Verses 10 through 13. So page number 1788. See if we can get the clicker to work. Yes? No? It's up there? Oh, it's not in the back. All right. All right. So contentment. And accomplishment is what we are going to be talking about today. So if you uh, would just join me in a a word of prayer for enlightenment, illumination, that would be great. Lord, we ask that you prepare our hearts and minds for how you want to speak to us today. We know that it is who you are that has, has brought us here today. May the words that you speak to us and the meditations of our mind and heart, just impact us to grow and understand who you are. In your name we pray. Amen. So as I was preparing for this message this morning, I was brought back to my college years, specifically the time where I was playing soccer and realized, like, to to play soccer you needed to keep your body in pretty good physical shape, and so I would go to the weight room, um, realizing that my motivation had to be something within me realizing that if I wanted to eat right and stay in shape, it required me to to do the things necessary. And really, in so many ways, I became quite self-sufficient to maintaining the needs that needed to be done for college and for soccer. The level of motivation really needed to be my own. But really, there could be some external motivations, but really, it had to be something inside of me. And I remember that on the gym wall, there was a poster of a very well-built man And he was wearing a tank top, and on his tank top it said, Phil 4.13. And it just caught me by surprise because, you know, growing up in the church, I realized that Phil 4.13 meant Philippians 4.13. And I knew that verse to be, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And I thought to myself, it's like, wow, what a motivational uh, appearance. What a motivational verse to actually understand that if I wanted to be like that man on the poster, I could, I could do all things through, through the strength that is within myself. And since that day, if not before, I've also come to realize that this verse is one of those often misdirected verse from the Bible. My high school Bible teacher, maybe you've heard this before, would often say a text taken out of its context is a pretext for trouble. And so too often, this seems to be what is happening in our world, and and we see this often in the sports world. It's on flags, it's on wristbands, it's actually tattooed on athletes' bodies. But notwithstanding, if this we understand this verse to be kept within its context, it still means that it could be misaligned with different interpretations. And so often we want these verses to be applied to our context, to our understanding. You know, one such person who really characterized this verse in so many ways, if we think back to to 2008, is is Tim Tebow. So what made Tim Tebow stand out is that he was the quarterback for the University of Florida, but what he would do is he would place those on the black under-eye stickers. He would write Philippians 4.13, and it actually landed him in so many ways on the cover of Sports Illustrated. You know, see, while other players chose to write maybe their zip code or their mother's name, what Tim decided to do was make a statement, and he chose to write Philippians 4.13 for the world to see and to let them know in a way that he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. And so, so I put this out for you as just a, a way, as a form of introduction. So what is my experiences in the weight room and, and understanding who Tim Tebow is as a, as a wonderful, God-fearing man What does that all have to do with our context today? How can we better understand the scripture passage? How does this section of scripture help us in our understanding of what it means to live is Christ? Well, we realistically need to understand the context of this verse within the chapter and within the understanding to to better understand what, what Paul is trying to tell the church in Philippi in the first century when he wrote this. For this, it was and still is the context of the verse that I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And if you've been a part of this series here for the the last few weeks of the series in Philippians, or if you're new for us today, I just want to give a basic, simple understanding of the general context, because Paul is writing this letter to the church in Philippi while he's in prison. He happens to find himself in Rome under house arrest. And he chooses to spend his time writing letters to the churches that he's planted around Asia Minor. And what Paul is doing, he's, he's sharing with the congregation his love and admiration for them and how he longs to be with them. And, and he really wants to encourage them to be in Christ, to maintain their obedience to who Christ is through even though he's away from them. And like I say, this is the general where and why that the passage was written. But how about the specific portion of this letter? We're going to read that in just a minute, but I want to draw your attention to what makes this passage valuable and meaningful in the moment that it is. So if your Bibles are open, we see that in chapter 4, just a few verses earlier, that, that Paul just concluded a section on how he encouraged the church. He encouraged them in a way to not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving to present your request to the Lord. And that's exactly what we did this morning in the, the morning prayer. He wants them to realize that their circumstances at times are beyond their control, but we can bring those to the Lord. In verses four, or excuse me, in verses seven and nine of chapter four, we see that God, God is the one who is providing for their needs. God is the one who understands who they are in so many ways. And God is the one, he says, that I will give you peace in the midst of those circumstances. He says that the God of peace will be with you. In fact, God the Father says in verse 9 that is the one who will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. That is who God is. That is who God has promised to be. And he says this is the, the introductory words that lead us to our passage this morning. I share this with you because we need to understand these things when we read the scripture verses, and if we want to understand the text that they're taken from, because to better understand the context allows us to better understand the verse and to keep it in within that context and understand it. So as Paul is now concluding his letter to the church in Philippi, he writes some very personal notes, and here's a few personal remarks that Paul gives to the congregation. So with all of that, kind of as the background, the backdrop to what we're going to read now, keep that in mind as you hear now the words starting at verse 10 through 13. Paul says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, indeed you were concerned for me. But you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content whatever, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this Through him who gives me strength. Thus far, the reading of the Lord, and may he bless it to our lives and congregation. As we understand, as we've just read these four verses, we realize a little bit more what contentment and accomplishment looks like. As we understood that Paul began his letter, and if you've been with us since the beginning, we understand that Paul is writing this letter because of his friendship and in his joy with the church in Philippi. And these themes of, of friendship and joy are throughout the, throughout the letter. This focus of joy happens to be exemplified in this passage. We first saw it throughout the, throughout the beginning, but chapter 3, verse 1, and chapter 4, verse 4, and now again in 4, verse 10, Paul intentionally highlights what it means to rejoice in the Lord. But what Paul does here is he challenges the church and he adds the word, greatly. And Paul is rejoicing because he brings it back to this friendship. He understands it's because of who you are. I rejoice greatly in the Lord. It is because of who you are as believers in Jesus Christ, because of the bond that we share in who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Paul, Paul is rejoicing in this friendship because it has meant so much to him. And even now, Paul says, it's because of your renewed concern for me. I greatly rejoice. You see, when when the church in Philippi heard of Paul's imprisonment, what did they decide to do? Well, they decided to send him a love gift, and, and they sent a man named Epaphroditus with the gift to Paul to say, you know what, if you're in need, here's something to help you get by. We know who you are. We love you. We care for you. And Paul acknowledges this because he says, you had an opportunity to do this And it didn't come right away. And now I want to share with you that I'm not angry. I'm not mad that it didn't come right away. Because you responded when you had the opportunity. And for that fact and that fact alone, that timeliness of coming when it did, is why Paul begins his first remarks with such great joy. Paul. Paul knew the church. Paul knew that the church would find a way to support him. And Paul knew this because they were partners in the gospel. We were first really introduced to this theme of partners in the gospel back in Philippians 1, verse 5, where it says, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And what is this? What Paul is doing here is he's reminding them first and foremost that it's because of who Jesus Christ is. As the Lord and Savior of life, that you are able to do these things, that you are able to provide for my needs, but more so that your friendship has been given to me as a way that has shown its great concern in my life. You see, Paul knew what it was like to be in need, and Paul knew what it was like to to have the requirement to say, like, "I'm, I'm being supported by you. But Paul also knew that the concern and the care from fellow believers... what was has seen him through the years has been the joy of his ministry the joy of his ministry where Paul has lived in ways where he's been in want and in need but also times where he's lived in ways where he's been in plenty and in abundance we understand that this is a part of Paul's story and if you're unaware of, of who exactly who Paul is this person that wrote the letter that we're talking about this morning you can look actually back to Philippians 3, verses 5 through 6, and, and Paul highlights for himself that what it means to be on top of the social ladder. You see, Paul lived in affluence and, and with great esteem. You see, Paul was a true Israelite. He was a Jew by birth, but at the same time, he was also a Roman citizen. And that made him special. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews, and he was highly honored because he was a Pharisee. And yet he was also the chosen one as part of his former life to be the one to persecute the church. He had esteem. He lived according to the law and he was faultless because of it. And many, many people, they recognized Paul for who he was. His fellow peers, those around him. Even the law saw him as being self-sufficient. Everything that he was and everything that he had become was a part of his own doing. But then things changed. Paul met Jesus Christ. Paul, in his life, as noted in Acts chapter 9, he met Jesus on the road to Damascus and everything changed. And his life became one for the record book. You see, when Paul's conversion is duly noted there he moved from a life of self-sufficiency to a life of christ-sufficiency and yes paul's union with christ would still bring him esteem in so many different ways and places but many times and more often than not it's because of his union and his commitment to christ paul would know exactly what it means to be in need and in want because the circumstances in life around him are incredibly challenging. And Paul's life, as we said, is one for the record books. As we think about who he is and what it meant to follow Christ and all that he's gone through, we have to no other place to look farther than his 2 Corinthians 11. And if you know this passage, great. If you don't, just be amazed at who Paul is and what he's went through. Because Paul, in 2 Corinthians 11, gives a laundry list of all the things that he's encountered because of Christ. Because here it says whatever anyone else dares to boast about, I'm speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about. Paul is saying, are they Hebrews? Well, so am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk about this way. But I am more. I, Paul, have worked much harder. Been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I had been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger in sea, and in danger even from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. And besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for the churches, I can only hear Paul just this exasperated voice saying, I know. I know what it is to be in need. I know I felt it personally. I also know what it's like to have plenty. But in the midst of all of those things, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. Not because of my own sufficiency, but because of the sufficiency that I've found in Jesus Christ in Christ alone. And this is why in verse 12 Paul states that he has learned the content, learned to be content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether whether living in plenty or in want. And it's because of these things, it's because of these things alone that Paul says I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Did you catch it? This is the context of what means that he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. Paul isn't showcasing his own self-sufficiency and the strength that he says, you know what, I can get through all of this on my own. No, what Paul is emphasizing here is that because he is totally sold out, because he is totally dependent upon Christ, and because he is totally devoted to who he is in the cause, that he has learned to be content, whatever the circumstance is well-fed or hungry, in want or in abundance. And this, and it's because of all this, this is how Paul can do all things. And for Paul and for us to accomplish this type of contentment, it's only to be through the strength that we find in Christ, not in ourselves, but in Christ alone. And this, congregation, this is the secret That Paul has learned that comes from a developmental process of knowing, of learning, of living his life. Not being conditioned upon outside circumstances. But Paul realizes that my contentment comes when I'm in Christ. And only in Christ. And Paul realizes that being devoted to Christ is where he finds his contentment and his dependency to do all things. And ultimately for him, this is the true secret of what it means to truly be content, whatever the circumstances, Brothers and sisters, we see that we often find and look for our contentment in this world, in the things of the the flesh, in the personal achievements, in the things that we can buy and attain for our own living. And more often than not, we become reliant upon our own self-sufficiency to get those things done, or maybe even with just a little partial Christ-sufficiency. However, we realize that we're still wanting more, and it's only when we can tr- find our true contentment in Christ where we see that God is the God of all circumstances in our life, and knowing that God is the one who will provide for us and has provided for us and given us the things that are beyond what we need, and at times can giving us our daily bread to give us exactly. And only what we need. We find ourselves waiting on the Lord. Say, Lord, are you going to provide? But we also know that God will provide for us. God has provided for Paul. And in Paul's life, he has learned that, you know what? I can be content regardless of my circumstances. Because I have Christ. For Paul, and all his desires, all of his longings, all of his commitments, his contentment would be found in his identified relationship with Jesus Christ. And for Paul, his ability to live with true contentment and to do all things is exactly what Philippians 1.21 means. To live is Christ. Christ lived his life with dependency upon his life. Christ modeled that for us. And Paul himself chose to live that same way. And Paul's testimony is is an example for us today. That it can be done. That we can do all things through Christ who gives us the strength. And so for maybe a better or just a different understanding of this verse that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, we need to understand what what Paul was grasping at, what he was really implying when he wrote this. You see, Paul was not claiming a, a self-sufficient mindset, like you say, that he can do all these things on his own. Paul was not claiming an extraordinary endorsement in some ways like these athletes do, to say, like, I can do all these great things because of the strength within myself and, or given to me. No, what Paul was claiming was that this statement This statement that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me was an example and a way to live is Christ. This statement reveals that the necessity we have is to be living a Christ-centered life, regardless of the circumstances in our own life. Our contentment in our life, our contentment needs to be found not in our circumstances or in our possessions, but in who Jesus Christ is. Paul lived this way. And Paul, actually, if we go back to Philippians 4, verse 9, one verse before our text, it states that, that I have whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Paul says put it into practice. We know that Paul's life has been lived on both extremes, in want, in need, but also in abundance and plenty. Can we say the same thing about our lives? Can we ultimately get to the point where we say that contentment to be truly experienced is something that's found only in Christ? I just wonder today, if you're struggling with your contentment, maybe we need to begin to ask ourselves, what does my relationship with Christ look like? Is my contentment trying to be found in the things of my own doing and and, in who I am and what I've accomplished in this life? In my own sufficiency? Or in another way of looking at it? If I consider my present circumstances, how differently would they look if my sufficiency was found in Christ alone? Because as we understand who Jesus Christ is, as the divine Son of God, why he came to this earth, why he lived, why he died, why he provided forgiveness of our sins. That those who believe in him can triumphantly say that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it's through the power that he's given by his Father. That power is what strengthens us. And without a relationship with Christ, we're going to feel lost and alone wondering about where contentment is truly found. We'll be continually searching or living according to our own strength, the things that we want and see in this life, not the things that God has designed for us. But only with a committed relationship with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, this will ultimately bring us true contentment, regardless of our circumstances. And only when we live in Him will we learn that we can be content whatever our circumstances, but also have the strength to do all things. Nothing out of our own self-sufficiency, but only in our Christ-sufficiency. To live as Christ really is to live knowing that it's nothing that we do. If we think about the verse from Romans 5, verse 8, where it says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us this verse epitomizes that it's only by Christ. We can't be self-sufficient. We can't rely on our own works, on our own doings, but only on the work of Jesus Christ. Christ being sufficient in his Father's eyes meant that we can be seen the exact same way that God views Jesus. The righteousness that we have in our life is because of who Jesus Christ is. Because Christ was sufficient. Christ is sufficient. And the sufficiency we have is exactly what it means to live as Christ. If you're feeling maybe a little spiritually discontent in your life, I'm wondering, can we begin to wrestle with what it means to find our contentment In Christ alone not in the things of this world what we can find our contentment in in any every situation Paul knew it and so can we and it was only through Christ that we can do all this that we can experience a contentment in our life that we can accomplish the things for him understanding that what Christ did What he's done is enough. But as a response to what he did, we are called to live as Christ. For only Christ made us sufficient in his Father's eyes. And so, therefore, our sufficiency, our contentment, and our accomplishments in this life is because of what Christ has done. And may you find today May you find not only the sufficiency in what Christ has done for you, but may you, as you go forward this week, may you find knowing that whatever your circumstances in life may be, that we can find ourselves in Christ, and Christ alone, as a true source of contentment in our lives. That we truly can be Christ-sufficient rather than being self-sufficient. Let's pray. Lord, we realize that being Christ-sufficient in rather than self-sufficient is what you are calling us today. But Lord, it is so hard. It is so hard to live that way. It is so hard to, to say, Lord, I, re- I trust in you. I rely on you to provide for my needs, to give me the things that even that I want to better my life. But Lord, may it be according to your will, not our own. May it be according to your desires, not our own. May our contentment be found in in your provisions for our life. May we understand that we we do not have to do anything for your love and for your grace and your mercy, but because of what Christ has done in our life, we are called to do all things for you. As we've read and learned and applied now what, what Paul went through as he wrote this to the church in Philippi and everything that he experienced in his life, may we have the courage and the strength to endure all of those things if it's a part of your will, for your namesake. For we know, we know that only in you are we able to do all these things because of it is you, Jesus Christ, who gives us strength. In your name we pray. Amen.